Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Your fantasy draft is here, so that means it is time for our final wide receiver tiers, our final wide receiver rankings. And just thinking back to last season, three players really encapsulated the entire 2021 fantasy football season. Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, all league winners in some form or fashion, and all were drafted outside round one and round two of your fantasy draft. So today, Hayden Winks, again, we'll go through all the tiers spend some time, quality time on the top names, but also try to uncover these players that not from obscurity, but from the pack that can help the people win their leagues this season. We just went to the running back show and we kind of recommended grab one or two of the top 15 in those top three tiers because the running back dead zone is so strong. So now it's all about rounds three to around 10, finding five, six, seven names from that tier. So that's today's goal. So let's start with the first tier. It's two names. And the first name, while it's been a bit of a roundabout summer, Cooper Cup tops our list. And who else could it be? After the Matthew Stafford elbow fiasco, where now he's throwing, you know, double-digit passes per game, all roads lead back to Cooper Cup. Just four times in 21 games last season did he handle fewer than 10 targets, the most bankable wide receiver in fantasy football. Do you have him ahead of Justin Jefferson? Because that's where this debate is. Yeah, I have it. CMC, Cup, Jefferson, then Jonathan Taylor. It's the same offense. Justin Jefferson could be better than Cooper Cup. But man, Cooper Cup has to regress a ton uh, for that to matter. So I think these two are in a tier by themselves. Their skill set and their volume is untouched. Yep. And it wasn't just, obviously, the regular season last year where Cooper Cup scored 70 more fantasy points or whatever it was than the next closest wide receiver. It was also in the playoffs where he had 183, 142 and 92 yards, one touchdown, one touchdown, two touchdowns, two touchdowns, the best defenses, the best games, the best teams that they played and they still couldn't stop him. So that means the other wide receiver who's will be off the board in the top five of your draft as well. That is Justin Jefferson. And it's interesting that we start with the Cooper cup conversation and now get to JJ Because Kevin O'Connell, new play caller for the Vikings, Justin Jefferson has said that where Cooper Cup won last year is where his offense and where he's going to fit now with his new Vikings team. You'll probably see a couple more slot opportunities per game, but I think just overall more pass attempts last year, Minnesota, about league average. I wouldn't be surprised if they get closer to like top six, top seven, top eight. And that's how you can get Justin Jefferson in year three becoming maybe the best wide receiver in the whole game, at least in fantasy. He also playing in a dome against that division, I think is pretty good. Just to put the context of the slot rate, last year, Cooper Cup saw 64% of his snaps in the slot. Justin Jefferson was 
just at 25. So maybe see 30, 40% more in the slot. And also the average depth of target was different. I mean, Justin Jefferson's a dot was 12.3 yards last year. Compare that to Cooper cup, who was 8.4. And despite that shorter a dot for Cooper cup, he still was able to generate big plays. So if we get more efficient targets for Justin Jefferson, just more targets in general for him to create more opportunities down the field and create big plays on his own too, then boom, that that's just a win-win in our book. This chart is showing how many deep targets he gets. Justin Jefferson's just by himself, you know, like yep. he is that type of explosive player. So yeah, got to get one, him. one other part to Justin Jefferson. He saw just 20 targets inside the 20 yard line last season. That was 17 fewer than Cooper cup had and way below all of the other elite options. So again, high value targets are a thing. Maybe Justin Jefferson is the focal point to that red zone work for the Vikings. Well, that would require Adam Thielen not getting, you know, 400 Whoa. touchdowns this year, which is, you know, Okay, tier one done. Now jump to tier two. The first name here, our wide receiver three, that is Jamar Chase. As we know, he's the model buster on the show. I mean, he ranked fourth in the NFL in yards after the catch per reception last season, despite having an average target depth five plus yards ahead of every other wide receiver in front of him. That's the big thing. He can win downfield, but the yards after the catch ability is what he was doing. To my model, he was the most efficient player. at 5.4 more half PPR points than what was expected. All the other superstars are like at three. So he's yeah. like living in his own universe. So we should not expect some of that to regress at the same time, though. His usage is probably going to go up. He was 24th in fantasy usage. The, the Bengals probably going to have to pass more in general. So I think Jamar Chase, we know he's going to be a first round pick. The, the debate is, is he the fifth overall pick or is he like closer to the 12th overall pick? But you got to roll the dice. Yeah, and we saw it all last season. Whenever Joe Burrow saw single high coverage, his eyes diverted over to Jamar Chase on the outside, and their mind meld was absolutely ludicrous. And the crazy part was he didn't even actually see the most 20-plus yard targets in the league last season. He was third with 34, but he had by far and away the most touchdowns of 20-plus yards at, at eight. So, look, if they do play and face more two high shells, I think we can count on Jamar Chase being good enough to run inside breaking routes and shorter routes and obviously create after the catch. There's a wide receiver three, wide receiver four, Stefan Diggs. I guess it's fair to call it a down year last season from the perspective yes. of he was the wide receiver three his first year in Buffalo. Then he finished last year as the wide receiver 10 in points per game. And from my seat, Hayden, it was all just a drop in efficiency. You know, his catch rate dropped from 78% to 65%. Yeah, last year it was the deep targets specifically, which are the most valuable, but also most volatile. And that's why I spent so much time looking at them. He got 52% of his deep ball targets in 2020. Last year was only 38. Um, so Steph Diggs definitely was not as good in man coverage either. Uh, yards per out run was at wide receiver 37. He was top four in each of the previous two seasons. I don't think there's anything going on with Steph Diggs. I just think it was running a little bit bad compared to how good and Josh yeah. Allen are and he will rebound here. I, I think the debate is, and I have flipped my rankings is with Devonte Adams. Oh, so we are being strict here and Devonte Adams is the next player in this tier and to close out tier three. And he's obviously in a new home with his old buddy from Fresno state and Derek Carr. And over the past four seasons, Devonte Adams with green Bay, had 30.7% of the Packers red zone targets, which has easily led all wide receivers in red zone target rate. In fact, the next closest was at 25.7%. And I want to compound that by saying the Raiders last year were 29th 
in red zone touchdown rate. In the previous years, they were at 23rd and, and 22nd. Josh McDaniels, highly respected play caller, especially from the underdog football show. Really yep. love him. So again, I don't think Devontae's role and the significance of the, the type of player he is in the red zone, despite a new landing spot, is going to be diminished at all. Just looking at the difference, Devontae Adams, including playoffs, averaged 96 yards per game. Steph Diggs was at 62. Obviously, we're expecting Steph Diggs to do better. But to me, what got me to flip this last second is looking at Derek Carr's profile. And last year, Derek Carr had 25 more yards per game than Aaron Rodgers because they passed the ball more because the division's better. The yep. Raiders' defense isn't as good. And Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers both had a 7.7 yards per attempt. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is better. But... Derek Carr, it was just the touchdown department. Last year, he had a 3.7 touchdown rate. Uh, in each of his last six seasons, it was at 4.6%. Four, 4. Uh, so we're expecting more touchdowns because oh, Devontae yeah. Adams is just ludicrous in the red zone. Um, so I think that we're, I think, maybe over-adjusting for what is going on uh, between the environment. I think that you're going to trade some efficiency, uh, but maybe about the same-ish targets just because the Raiders are going to find themselves in so many shootouts. We'll talk about Derek Carr in the quarterback episode. Wouldn't be surprised if we rank him higher than just about anywhere else. And to me, it's because it would be shocking if he doesn't hit 30 touchdowns throwing the football. And that will be the first time he's done that since the 2015 season. He I was mean, six in yards so last year. Sixth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so great. Final note on Devontae Adams. It might have to be in a slightly different way. He had 25 screen targets last year. And if you look at what Josh McDaniels has done with wide receivers, he doesn't throw a lot of screens. In fact, Kendrick Bourne led the New England Patriots last year with just eight of those. And that was a pretty big part of, sure. of his Packers, especially near, near the goal line. Okay, like I said, we are being very strict with these tiers. Those are the top two. And now we have a huge chunk in tier three. And it's led by C.D. Lamb who actually was the wide receiver 17 in points per game last season. And really the big issue, because touchdowns are important, is scoring six for him. I mean, in comparison to his peers and who we rank him against, he just had six touchdowns in his first two seasons in the league. Yeah, he's got to play better and a little more physical, but I'm expecting that to happen in year three. Way less target competition. You're not finding the next Amari Cooper here. We'll see if Michael Gallup can return from his knee injury. So the runway is clear. This yep. defense is probably not going to be as good for potentially leading the league in targets like that's within the range of outcomes here um so it really just comes down to cd lamb i have him ahead of all these other wide receivers we're gonna get to the debate is cd lamb or saquon barkley cd lamb or joe mixon right that's where i'm having a little bit of struggles here but cd lamb in wide receiver rankings feel very comfortable where we have him sounds like he got bigger uh he needs to play bigger as you said and he did from his rookie season to his second year his contested catch rate went up from 29 percent to 70 percent um, and obviously he transformed his game playing 91% of the snaps in the slot his rookie year. And then that dropped all the way down to 36% last year. We had a whole show with Matt Harmon on wide receivers, a great context of CD lamb there. So, so go back and watch that if you have not. Okay. Mike Evans is next up. There was a point this summer where I thought Mike Evans was also possibly in contention for maybe the most targets in the league. But since then, we've gotten more positive news on Chris Godwin. We had Julio Jones added to this roster as well. But I'm going to be the meme, and I'm going to say it. Eight NFL seasons, eight seasons over 1,000 yards. It speaks his, his consistency, and it shows and proves that big boys can run routes too. Yeah, he's insane. I I put him and T. Higgins in the same exact ballpark. They win similarly. We know the offense is going to be awesome. They might be the number two target uh, by the end of the season once Chris Godwin comes back. 
So I view Mike Evans and T Higgins back of the second round, maybe better in best ball, but you know, if injuries break their way, like something happens to Chris Godwin, Mike Evans could finish as a top five wide receiver. Same thing with T Higgins. Yep. Next up is T Higgins. He's kind of the Robin to Jamar Chase's Batman in some ways. In fact, when we posted our free draft guide, which all of you can check out down below is also a cheat sheet. Uh, I got some responses saying, what has T Higgins shown to prove that he should be the wide receiver eight in your board? What would your answer be, Hayden? Well, he was already top 15 per game last year, and that's when we were begging Zach Taylor to throw the ball more. And with Jamar Chase staying healthy, what happens if Jamar Chase doesn't stay healthy? That's when you can get top five wide receivers. He's attached to Joe Burrow, if you've ever heard of him. Yeah, and played with a torn labrum all season. Uh, Just a dog. T Higgins is so, so good. Okay. So we go from T Higgins to actually we have Tyree kill as our wide receiver nine. Part of that is because of my ranking here. Um, now granted that's right along with ADP. So maybe you'll get him, Maybe you won't. That's not to say I'm not nervous about this fit with the Miami dolphins and attach it to a tongue of Iloa because last year it was the shortest a dot of Tyree kills career since his rookie season. It was at 11. Um, Obviously, Tua Tungavailoa and the wide receivers attached to him had a much lower A dot, and his best wide receiver last year was Jalen Waddle, and that was at a seven A dot. You know, Tyreek Hill had 25 deep targets last season. Jalen Waddle led the team, and he had 12. I mean, Devontae Parker had nine. Two Chiefs were at 13 and 12, which was more than anyone else on the Dolphins in totality. And finally, Tua was 35th in his percent of a pass attempts that traveled 20 plus yards. So we've seen, you know, the the practice clips, the training camp clips of, oh, look, it's Tua throwing deep. They're trying over the there. Tyreek Hill, they are certainly trying. Um, I just think Tyreek might generate his points slightly differently. We're not going to see those wild and crazy extended plays where Patrick Mahomes holds the ball for five seconds and finds him way beyond the secondary. But I do and as the summer has progressed, have more confidence in what Mike McDaniel is going to do to set these guys up for success. This is the point of the wide receiver rankings where somebody has a flaw somewhere. I think you can even say that with Mike Evans and T Higgins, obviously with Tyreek Hill, it's the new environment totally there with you. I think he's going to be fine. I just don't see him being like the, Devonte Adams or above type of tier. It's just harder to do in this t- this type of offense, I think. right? Because if he was still attached to Patrick Mahomes, like a wide receiver one season could have potentially been yeah. there. And I just yeah. don't see that as a possibility this but year. But we are me. getting him like maybe you can get him into round three, and I'm, I feel okay with that. Okay, let's jump to Michael Pittman again, a Matt Harmon favorite, a underdog football show favorite as well. Uh, he really took a massive leap last season with Carson Wentz. And now you go from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan. And I think most importantly, the changes of how Frank Reich is now going to be able to trust his quarterback that rather than force feeding his running backs in neutral or positive situations, they're going to have the whole playbook open and the trust and obviously how much better Michael Pittman is than any other pass catcher on his team. You're Simply late to the party if you don't think Michael Pittman's like really good at football, not just like a good number one, like a really good player can win everywhere. Um, and on Yahoo, ESPN, all the other platforms, you can get him round four. He's going in round three on underdog, but he's going round four other places. He's definitely somebody to circle. Mike Williams is next. A great call from you last summer. Some might say he's more of a better and best ball we player, but Hayden, has he kind of graduated? from that can you get the consistent production that we saw in what the first six weeks of last season not saying you know 20 plus points a game but at least the consistency that is not going to give you four or six points well if, if i'm 
putting my stamp on some players, it will be Mike Williams again in round three. You can get him in round four in some platforms as well. Like you said, last year, it was a career low 12 ADOT, and that's because he was in more or less this Michael Thomas role. And it wasn't because he was, they were removing deep targets. He's still going to get the deep targets. That's where Justin Herbert obviously could win. Same thing with Mike Williams. It's more slants. Like he's like a, becoming a true number one all the while Keenan Allen's now 30 years old. His yards per out runs gone from 2.55, 232, two flat, 191 last year. 1.78 is the first time that Mike Williams has a better yards per out run than Keenan Allen. If something happens to Keenan or if Mike Williams takes an, even another step and he's in the middle of the uh, prime of his career, just got paid and you're attached to Justin Herbert. He's one of these players where it's like kind of the T Higgins, Mike Evans conversation, where if something breaks his way, he can vault all the way into the top five conversation. So I'm uh, going to stamp my name on him again. There are a ton of wide receivers. Let's say in the top, I don't know, 20 that are either on new teams or associated with a new quarterback or have a new play caller next to them. And AJ Brown is, is certainly one of those names. He's our wide receiver 12. I'm a little cautious because where AJ Brown thrived last season and where he has was that if you look at zero to 20 plus yards, so everything beyond the line of scrimmage over the middle of the field, that's where he had 49% of his targets last year. Just close your eyes. You can that's see crazy. it. I mean, he catches the football in trash, rumbles on, you know, those crossing routes. And that's where he thrived with the Titans. You look at Jalen Hurts, only 23.3 of his pass attempts were to that area of the middle of the field. So does he give now Jalen Hurts the answers to be much better in there? You know, because Devontae Smith was so good on the outside and winning down the field, or is it a blind spot for Jalen Hurts? But again, as we've said all summer long, the trade, for AJ Brown is to show that this team does want to be a pass first offense. Yeah. Trade and the money, the whole thing. I think he's going to be very inconsistent. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we wake up uh, in December and he finishes as the wide receiver 11 per game yeah. where you're being drafting him. But I think it's gonna be a lot of weeks where you love it. And a lot of weeks where you kind of don't like it. I'm with you. I think the Eagles are going to try to pass it. They need to try to pass the ball this year. Um, I'm with you. I think the fit is a little bit, not the best for the price tag, but I think in round three, we're kind of everyone's kind of at least one war and we know AJ Brown could ball next up is Debo Samuel my favorite Debo Samuel stat is if you remove all of that rushing production that we all focused on during the what final eight games of last season he still would have been the wide receiver 10 overall in scoring and sure 21 percent of his targets were behind the line of scrimmage as long as Trey Lance is starting the targets and the distribution is going to be in different portions of the field. We'll talk about that when we get to Brandon Ayuk's name. But you're also, you know, drafting Debo Samuel as maybe the wide receiver seven. We have him as the wide receiver 13. So it's a bit of a discount versus where he finished last season. Yeah, definitely a discount. He's being drafted in the second round. I don't think either of us would touch him in the second no. round. I think if he falls to the third round, let's be honest, he's never fallen to where I have him ranked. He's a negative regression candidate in every single capacity, downfield targets, uh, yards after the catch, the whole thing, running back, touchdowns, like the whole thing is a little bit uh, waking. And everything about Brandon Ayuk seems to be on the up and up here. So I just think it's going to be harder if Trey Lance is the quarterback and they rotate to that style offense. It's hard to make the math work. I love Debo the player, but just a little bit too rich. Next up, Cortland Sutton, wide receiver 14. We're still in tier three here. So much conversation of what a Russell Wilson offense looks like in Denver. We all remember the moon shots, the moon balls that he loved throwing to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. We had Charles Robinson on the show saying that 
Russell kind of took Jerry Judy under his wing to try to teach him the ropes and get him consistent. And I took from that meaning he knows that Cortland Sutton is here and he's an yep. alpha player and he's going to be the number one wide receiver on this team. Another flag plant for me is Cortland Sutton. If you can get him in round four, do it. At the end of round three, sign me up as well. I mean, he had 1,100 yards as a sophomore with obviously way worse quarterbacks. He was not uh, ready to go last year. He was playing with the brace. The videos in training camp were not good. All of that's behind him. He's a positive regression candidate when it comes to deep targets. And to me, the fit just makes so much sense on the inverse of the A.J. Brown stuff. Cortland Sutton wins downfield on the perimeter. That's where Russell Wilson's done it with DK Metcalf off the play action. We're going to get all of that here. Um, this is a little bit of a bet against Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler to a certain extent, but I just think Cortland Sutton is very good. It's been a little bit since we've seen it, but him and his fit with Russ, and this is what the, all the beat reporters up in Denver saying it's these two. And to me, it makes perfect sense when you put on the tape. Keen Allen is wide receiver 16. He closed this tier, but that's not, not until we have to get to uh, DJ Moore, wide receiver 15. He, and we'll get, to that next grouping, which is troublesome in, in many ways, the danger zone. But DJ Moore, as soon as Baker Mayfield was traded to the Carolina Panthers, Hayden, in many people's eyes, graduated up to this tier three. Do you think that's fair? Like, do you think Baker Mayfield is that much of a quarterback upgrade versus Sam Darnold? Because again, what we keep going back to with DJ Moore is that he's just got to score touchdowns, man. Yeah. Like every single season, we see him create yards after the catch. We we see him make some really flashy plays. But then it's two touchdowns, four touchdowns, four touchdowns, and four touchdowns in his four NFL seasons. I do think it is a upgrade, especially last year. Sam Darnold was an injured Sam Darnold and an injured Cam Newton, and then PJ Walker. Like to me, it's it's not just Sam Darnold. It's healthy Baker Mayfield versus all this stuff too. So I think he's got the speed, man. He's got so damn athletic. That's what you see with DJ Moore. So I think that if they can put the ball on him a little bit better then all of, a, all of a sudden he can be in this tier. This is like him and Cortland Sutton are the two that have never been in this tier who mm -hmm. were expecting to be in that tier. But I think that they have great shots at, at completing it. I mean, I, I think Ben McAdoo is going to run mesh about 17 times per game, like just tons of crossing routes out of the middle of the field. And let's get the ball in our, our guys' hands. And obviously DJ Moore is number one on that list. Okay. That's tier three. Before we move on, you've made it 20 minutes with us. Hit subscribe. What are you doing? We want to be a part of your championship season in fantasy football, not just for your drafts this week and, and next, but also throughout the entire season. We've got great content to help you with actionable information to set your lineups each and every week. So before we move on, hit that button down there and let's continue. We're not going to go through every name now, but we do have to start off with tier four because again, I call this the danger zone. Do you think that's fair where all these guys are either coming off disappointing seasons, moving teams, not sure with new quarterbacks, so on and so forth. And what, there are 11 names in this category. And if you see 11 different analysts, they'll all rank this grouping very differently. Yeah. Because none of these players have been ranked this high in previous seasons. We're projecting breakouts for a lot of these players, but that's why they pay us to predict it before it happens. <laughs> Tons of money. Okay. We start off with Allen Robinson flag point for me. Um, the biggest difference, not just going to the Los Angeles Rams and Matthew Stafford, which, by the way, we saw be a massive difference in the fancy seasons of both Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. I'm sure you've heard of those people, but it's the role he plays in this offense. And it really is what Odell Beckham did last season. It's that isolated X wide receiver. We keep talking about touchdowns and high value targets. Well, when Odell joined the Rams last year, he had 12 targets inside the 10 yard line and had eight touchdowns. Okay. 
We know that Cooper Cup and tight ends and so on and so forth are going to be front side. You have the one-on-one -on -one situation, a guy who can win big, who can win small on the backside. And this is 100% Allen Robinson. And if you've read any training camp reports, that coaching staff cannot stop talking about A-Rob. When I went and I was spilling ketchup all over my shirt at Rams training camp, it was like just slot fade, corner fade in the red zone like every single time. They are going to get him some touchdowns here. Um, I'm right there with you. A couple other names in this tier. Uh, Rashad Bateman, looking at it last year, Marquise Brown, uh, was wide receiver 13 in fantasy usage, wide receiver 24 per game. This offense, I think, is going to be way better. Obviously, Lamar's healthy, but not just him. Uh, Ronnie Staley at left tackle, he seems like he's getting back to full health. Tyler Linderbaum, they add at center in the draft. The running backs seem still bad. The J.K. Dobbins yep. stuff, we're not in. Gus Edwards on PUP. We saw how Mike Davis went last year. I think Rashad Bateman's a great scheme fit. A, a big catch radius for Lamar Jackson over the middle can win on slants, can win on crossing routes, could also win down the field. So I think Rashad Bateman is a certified number one receiver. You had to squint last year. He was coming back yeah. from injury, but you saw what happened to him in Minnesota. He was a true number one. I think that's what he's going to have with Lamar Jackson here. I think like 13 of his first 14 catches went for first downs. And with Isaiah Likely's emergence, like you could have some really cool um, over middle of the field stuff with Mark Andrews. And Rashad Bateman or Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely, and then mm -hmm. Bateman be a winner on the outside. He just has to play more, man. Like against that Bengals game in week 15, he saw four targets on the opening drive and then saw one target the rest of the game. It was ridiculous. Um, well, there's okay. no other wide receivers there, so we're, we're good there. All right, we have yeah. to. We have yeah. to now. Gabriel Davis is also here. Uh, we put out a video, and I want to call your attention to the sleeper one, where the cheat code to winning your draft on sleeper, because on there, he's like the 70th overall player or something absurd. And I get it. If you look at his pro football reference page, because in his first few years, he has barely 600 receiving yards in each of his first two NFL seasons. But when you look at and follow the money with the Buffalo bills, like they didn't believe he was a full-time player until week 14 of last season. That's why, after his rookie year, they brought in Emmanuel Sanders or he got replaced by John Brown previously, right? Now they know after his playoff performances, after being around him, that Gabriel Davis is full is ready for a full-time gig. He, the runway is clear for him to be a massive, massive stakeholder in the Buffalo Bills season. And it's a top three, top five passing offense. And he's going to play on the outside and win vertically with the best downfield passer in the league right now. Last year, the Bills were first in wide receiver fantasy usage, and he's not coming off the field. So you're either high on him he's or you're really high on Isaiah McKenzie, and yep. which we are with both of them, actually. Okay, so Gabe Davis is our wide receiver 19. Let's jump to wide receiver 25, and that's a man who spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh, but now with the Kansas City Chiefs, Juju Smith-Schuster. He caught 97 passes in 2020, 111 in 2018. He was the sidekick to Antonio Brown then. He's going to be the sidekick to Travis Kelsey here. Last year, the Chiefs were third in routes run. And what's different between this time in, uh, uh, in Pittsburgh versus Kansas City is he's not just going to be a slot receiver. He's going to be out there in two wide receiver sets. We didn't really see that in Pittsburgh at the end. He seems healthy now, and they are trying to use him. He's a, an incentive-laden deal. I think he's going to go out there and ball out. The offense needs him to, especially against two high shells. We're going to know we're going to see that a ton uh, against Patrick Mahomes. He's going to be the underneath guy, and I think that they're trying to make him. He can see 150 targets this year. You know, like I, I can see a massive reception total. Um, so definitely in PPR, you got to be attaching yourself to some juju. A, a couple more names before we exit this tier. Terry McLaurin is our wide receiver 18. If you go back and watch last year, Taylor Heineke just 
discounted so many big plays that were available, erased fancy points from your league because of poor targets and poor placement and just misfires. I'm not saying Carson Wentz is great, but he at least can throw much better outside the numbers and down the field. Uh, and then I want to call attention if we can couple these. DK Metcalf for us is at wide receiver 23. And I'm trying to even look for Tyler Lockett as wide receiver 42. That's ahead of ADP on both. I just think that people see the non-Russell Wilson Seahawks and be like, how can these guys score points? I'm happy that we're ahead on both ADPs of, of Metcalf and Lockett because they're still unreal talents. There's nobody else in the offense to throw the ball to either. Like they're not using Noah Fan. We I don't even know who the wide receiver three is. I haven't been monitoring that situation because it's so irrelevant to me. There's enough room for two guys to ball out in one offense, yep. you know, like to me. And I watched some Geno Smith. Yeah, it's not going to be great. He's going to be a bottom five, bottom 10 quarterback. It's not unwatchable quarterback play. He's one tier above that. I think that you can keep DK freaking Metcalf afloat. Come on. Before we move on to tier five, there's still time for you to play best ball. If you have never played best ball, I guarantee if you try it once, it's like football Pringles. You, you won't be able to stop. It's the best part of fantasy football. All you do is draft. There's no waivers. There's no trades. There's no setting lineups. Because we we set your optimal lineup for you each and every week. So go. If you've never done it, we will match your first deposit up to $100. Just click the link down below or enter promo code the show. And nice parting gift. You can win $2 million in Best Ball Mania 3. Not such a bad thing. If you're watching this video and you've never seen Josh and I and you're 20 minutes in and you're not playing best ball, like who are you? Reach out to me. I'd like to hear back from you. Of course, you got to be playing some best ball. Come on. Okay, here we go. Tier five. To start off with a rookie, we are way ahead of ADP. Wide receiver 29, he goes as wide receiver 36. Drake London, maybe a evaluation some people had difficulties with coming out of USC. We saw one catch in the preseason. That was pretty dang good. Why do we love Drake London so much? Because I slammed that draft pick over and over and over again. Well, first of all, he went to USC. He's also 6'4", 219. He averaged 135 yards per game. He had 98th percentile PPR per game production, according to my model. USC, even though he's that big and can win in the red zone, can win in contested situations, could win downfield. They also threw him 3.75 screens per game because he's really agile, man. Like he can really bend his and sink his hips. He is fluid. They're going to get him on slants. I see Michael Thomas with Drake London. And boy, could this Falcons offense use somebody that can uh, accumulate a bunch of targets. Their wide receiver twos in shambles. It's just him and Kyle Pitts and Marcus Marion and Desmond Ritter have done enough in this preseason for me to feel confident. But this is just a pure evaluation thing. I think Drake London eventually is going to be a top 10 NFL wide receiver. Nobody seems to believe that. I think he's on a Michael Thomas trajectory. Uh, Let's see what he can do. Speaking of Michael Thomas, he's also in this tier. So is DeAndre Hopkins, who you're getting a outside starting number one wide receiver for a team after the first six weeks of the season. Amon Ross St. Brown is in this tier, and we know that his season went completely to the moon once Dan Campbell and company took over the the play calling, and that's going to happen from week one of this year. But, man, the guy I've planted my flag on all summer, I'll say it, I was a part of the the rocket ship of his ADP, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, I think the first seven weeks of last season – are totally clouding people's negative judgment of Brandon Ayuk because if you look at the final 10 games, he averaged six, nine yards and half a touchdown per contest. That was the wide receiver 20 overall, the same points per game as Mike Evans and Tyree Kill. And that was with Jimmy Garoppolo. So now we get Trey Lance, who is going to throw so many more downfield passes, especially outside the numbers down the field. And if we looked at targets last year, 10 plus yards down the field and outside the numbers, Debo Samuel had nine targets, Brandon Ayuk, 
had 22. So if Trey Lance plays well, this is why they trade all the picks for him. If we're going to have maybe less efficiency, but more big plays, Brandon Ayuk is the number one beneficiary of a new style of Kyle Shanahan's offense. I was late to the party, but I moved him up. You and Brett uh, sold me the last episode. <laughs> okay, so there's Ayuk. There's other receivers we love here and Elijah Moore, who to me, it's okay that it might not be Zach Wilson early on because he was definitely outstanding okay. with a bunch of backups last season. And then another few favorites, Kadarius Tony. Talk to the people. Tell them about Kadarius. Yeah, this came from our Jared Smola podcast. Uh, he wrote that one of eight rookie wide receivers to average over two yards per route run over the past five seasons. The other seven, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, A.J. Brown, Hunter Renfro, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and Chris Godwin. So we're talking about elite company here. Uh, his 2.7 yards per route run versus man coverage. If you uh, extrapolate the games after or before his ankle sprain, it's even higher than that. We're talking about somebody that was going nuts for about three games. Hasn't been able to stay healthy. Kenny Galladay does not look the same. Wanda Robinson's a slot only player. Brian Dayball is going to come with pace and pass rate. If Kadarius Tony is as good as he was in this small sample, he will be a league winner. Not just like a good pick, good value here, like a top 15 potential wide receiver. Boom bust. He might not even see the field this year. That's what you're kind of signing up for. But the boom potential here is like, ludicrous we're talking about eight of the best like 20 receivers uh in the sample yeah i think he's a top 20 talent at wide receiver if he plays 17 games you know like just the way he moves it's so different and he's not a manufactured touch player that people even including me thought he was at florida instead man he creates separation inside and outside and is just so so good in those areas of the field they're also playing his mixtape at practice. And <laughs> I've listened to the mixtape. It's not that good. So if they're playing that, uh, you don't play the mixtape for the wide receiver four on the team. You only play for superstars. You also need to talk to us about Christian Kirk because I think a lot of people got upset by the contract that the Jacksonville Jaguars paid him. I feel like that impacted his ADP earlier this summer, but I think people have caught up in thinking that, oh, if they paid him, he's going to be used in a perfect way, and that's as a vertical slot player. Vertical slot player, if you watch Trevor Lawrence, he is kind of frustrating at times, a little bit robotic, misses too many throws, but maybe he'll figure that out. Either way, his eyes are downfield, and he's looking for big plays, and that's where Christian Kirk wins. So I, I'm with you. His ADP has like slowly gone up and up and up, and I think you just got to move move it up with him. It seems like the offensive line stuff is in a stone-cold disaster. Obviously, the coaching staff's way better. Uh, but Christian Kirk, maybe not a true number one receiver, but a very good vertical slot player, and I think that's perfect uh, based off of the film. One more player who I think people just have it wrong on, man, is Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and he's in this Tier 5 for us as well. We have him as the 43rd overall wide receiver. Um, I would even move him up a few spots from that. I mean, he's so good in this offense for what they want him to be because I think people have pigeonholed him as just a vertical nine-route player because that's who he has been in his past. And speaking of better in best ball, that was him to a T. But if you look at what the Chiefs have done so far this offseason, it was pay him a whole bunch of money, $30 million with like $15, $17 million guaranteed. And then when they run two wide receiver sets, multiple tight ends or a fullback, he's one of the two starting outside wide receivers. He's one of the two out there, you know, and we've even seen his a dot in a very small sample drop a little bit. It's inside breaking routes. It's breaking routes back to the sideline and back to the quarterback, not just running in a straight line. And so I got in some Twitter spats over the weekend where people were like, well, healthy. Hey, Demarcus Robinson or like Sammy Watkins, like these guys got paid yeah. too. And this guy was on the Chiefs. I just think MVS is highly underrated and the Chiefs obviously covet him. 
yeah, the, the number one thing is, is, is this the best ball rankings? This is redraft rankings. I think you can move him ahead in best ball a little bit because he is better in best ball, but we're in the, the range. I mean, is there a consistent uh, wide receiver in the wide receiver forties? Like, please send me, send my way. If, if you can find a consistent player near him, I'll shoot for the ceiling uh, with MVS. Yeah. And he's going one spot ahead of Sky Moore right now on underdog. Okay. Speaking of Sky Moore, he's one of the players here in our tier six, a little bit lower than ADP, but I mean, this consists of like Tyler Boyd and Chris Olave, uh, but we need to jump to a rookie because as we know, preseason is made for rookies to show us who they are in the league. And I think you're smitten. You are totally smitten with George Pickens. Total dog. I mean, the film shows it five star. I mean, he uh, came out early. There was question marks with his with his knee and off field. And they still goes round two has looked the part was playing ahead of Chase Claypool and two wide receiver sets at time. Uh, the big thing is 44 percent of his routes in college were deep routes. That's how you come up with number one wide receiver profiles um, in fantasy land. Uh, Deontay Johnson's always in and out of the lineup with some it seems like a catastrophic injury and then never ends up happening. Um, to me, it seems like Pickett and Trubisky are going to be better than what big Ben was last year. I think there's room for a breakout potential with, with George Pickens. This is the tier where you're not banking on them to be in your lineup in September, but if something happens later in the season, if an injury breaks your way, these players have enough upside. They have either attached to the right quarterback or yep. they have the right skill set for them personally to eventually get into your starting lineup. I think George Pickens is uh, right in the mix for that. We also greatly impacted Joshua Palmer's ADP this offseason. He's up about 35 spots since June. Uh, and there's two easy outs for Joshua Palmer to make good in his wide receiver 55 ADP. And it's one, winning the wide receiver three job with the Los Angeles Chargers Check. outright, which he has done. He split it 50-50 with Jalen Guyton last year. And two, shockingly, and unfortunately, what happens if something does go down with Keenan Allen or or Mike Williams. Each of those guys missed one game last year. In the Keenan Allen missed game, Joshua Palmer lined up in the slot. In the Mike Williams missed game, he lined up as that alpha X wide receiver on the outside. So that ceiling is completely massive. And I think what we've seen from Josh Palmer, both hearing about it in camp and also in preseason contests, he's been outstanding in this role. Yeah, same exact player is KJ Osborne, just with the Vikings. The number three, I think he's going to be in a full-time role this year. We saw what happens when Adam Thielen misses time. To me, those two are the exact same. The player that I want to attach myself to is Isaiah McKenzie, who's just like uh, both Osborne and Palmer, the number three on a great offense. Uh, he didn't make as much money as we'd like, but neither did Crowder, and he just ran laps around Crowder this training camp. Played in three wide receiver sets, did not, did not come off the field. In those even played in two wide receiver sets when Steph Diggs missed some time this preseason last year. Uh, this starting s- slot role for the Bills had 9.9 expected half PPR points per game. That's enough just to get into your flex. Isaiah McKenzie's got juice though in ways that Cole Beasley and Jameson Crowder don't. If something happens to Steph Diggs or to Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie can be a top 25 fantasy wide receiver. And right now, uh, we have him ranked appropriately on most of yep. the redraft sites. You can scroll down to the 200s and might find yourself a little Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah, go watch those cheat code videos. We have one for Sleeper, ESPN, Yahoo. You can find some real gems on those lists. Um, speaking of, Michael Gallup is one of those. Oh, and yeah. a lot of your redraft leagues allow you to have IR spots. If you feel like you're missing out on like a wide receiver two or wide receiver three, draft him later and then just put him on an IR spot, then pick up one of these instead of a kicker or defense, right? And oh, then yeah. you can pick up your kicker and defense in that spot. Uh, two names to quickly close here. Nico Collins, um, 
way ahead of ADP on him. He has a history with Pep Hamilton dating back to their time at Michigan. He's been a starting outside wide receiver for this team all in camp. Uh, look, he's a big bodied, you know, he's not the quickest. He's, he's not a separator necessarily, but he's easily one of their top two pass catchers on this team. And then conversely, we're much lower than ADP on Rondale Moore. And it's, I'm going to blame this one on Cliff Kingsbury because I just don't know who he is now. Like we knew who he was last season and it wasn't great. I mean, it was a 1.1 a dot. And what that gave you was the lowest a dot in the league and basically didn't play the wide receiver position. And so Hayden, I tried to do some digging on Rondale asked the people who know the team, the closest, the fans and Blake Allen Murphy told me he's playing majority slot. Occasionally we've seen him at the X with Hopkins in the slot in a few practices what? But they've talked about him in the, quote, Christian Kirk role. So we might get a few downfield targets for him as well. But then the most important part, still a bit of a mystery what they'll do with Rondale Moore when it's him with Marquise Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, to me, a lot of the fantasy stuff just comes down to, to have upside, you have to be in two wide receiver sets. Right. Is he big enough? Did he do this at any points in college to project him to be in two wide receiver sets for – big chunks of the season maybe he is when deandre hopkins is uh, is suspended later on the season i don't think he will be and i don't know i just i just don't see like a big enough size profile to like kind of project him into like a huge he might be a slight win i just don't see him being like a top 25 wide receiver just based off of his size and usage yeah he legit didn't run wide receiver routes last year i've been in the camp of if i miss out on rondale because i have to see it to believe it, then I miss out on him. And because they've held him out of all these preseason games and all the starters for the for the Cardinals, then I'm just going to miss out on it. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah. with that. Okay. He goes, real quick, he goes in a similar range as Tyler Boyd, who is right. going to be a slot, starting slot receiver in a good offense, but we've seen it before. And I know if something happens to one of the wide receivers in his offense, he's going to be in two wide receiver sets. I don't know if that's going to be the case with Rondale. Okay. So let's close out with tier seven. A bunch of names here. I mean, you have preseason sensation Romeo Dobbs for us. You have Robbie Anderson, who's a year removed from, you know, a thousand yard receiving season. Uh, you have other rookies in Wandale Robinson, who we've talked about. Jalen Tolbert, who will probably maybe start Don't three wide receiver him. sets for the Cowboys. But like at his ADP, Noah Brown's running ahead of him right now. But you wanted to focus on one name and Alec Pierce. We talked about Michael Pittman at the start and Alec Pierce, the drum beat has kind of been quietly positive as we move along. We haven't seen like a long touchdown or anything in the preseason. Right. So his ADP hasn't really moved. And he was kind of a, a surprise second round pick a little bit. Like he wasn't the most touted player because he was a four-year player, but he is definitely in three wide receiver sets. And I think eventually he's going to replace Paris Campbell. So to me, if you're in a deeper league, like this is, we're talking about like the one sixties range for Alec Pierce. I do think that he eventually is going to be in two wide receiver sets attached to Matt Ryan. And that's all you can ask for this late in the draft. Okay, my one name I want to bring up here in Tier 7 is Zay Jones. I know you're snickering out there, but he's ranked on some of these platforms as like the 270th player. It's ludicrous. I'm going to end this with a prediction by saying Zay Jones is going to have the second most receiving yards in the Jacksonville Jaguars this season, among all wide receivers. Let's put it that way. Um, They paid him a a lot of money. And the connection that he and Trevor Lawrence have on the outside especially down the field has been really, really good. And they bring it up over and over and over again. So I would advocate for picking Zay Jones instead of a 
instead of a defense, instead of a kicker in your leagues as like your final draft pick and just seeing if, you know, if an injury happens to the rest of your bench, I'm not saying you have to keep him, but again, for someone even on underdog fantasy two weeks ago was going undrafted in some of these leagues. Zay Jones is the name I keep coming back to in the final round of drafts. All right, we have all of our rankings on Underdog Network. I'm not sure if there's any other names, but we'll be updating it. We have a free draft guide. Print it out. Bring it to your friends. Show them the, your referral code. In your Underdog account, if you sh- you share your link, you get paid. So you yep. sign up on our thing. Bring it to your friends. Show them the rankings, the whole thing. We have running back tiers and rankings up on the channel. Quarterback tied in on the way as well. Go and check them out. Hit subscribe. Stay with us for the rest of August through September. October, November, we're going to help you win this season. Let's do it. All right. Good luck, everyone. Talk to you all soon. See ya.